Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Cash That Podcast. This is your host, Joe Delera, and I've got one of my good buddies on, one of my friends from high school. I've known him for the longest time, Kevin Schnorr. He's uh, at Down the Stretch 7 on Twitter. Kevin, it's wonderful to have you on here. How you doing, dude? Hey, Joe, I'm good. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, man. Uh, You know what I want you to do before I get started here, but before we get started, I'm just going to make you wait and listen to me give out one NBA best bet for the Saturday slate. I don't have anything for Friday right now, but I'm looking at Draymond Green over 23 and a half points, rebounds and assists. I was on this at 22 and a half in game two, but he got hurt in the first quarter. The bet was like almost dead. And then he still almost had some life. So I think at 23 and a half, we're just going to run this back. Uh, I don't envision another injury here. That was kind of like a freak thing. So uh, we'll go with that. But now, Kevin, back to you. Could you tell us, tell everybody like a little bit about you, what you're like, what do you, what do you do for work? Like, what are your credentials here? So before we, uh, before we kind of reveal what, what the purpose of you being honest uh, today? Sure. So I'm a, I'm a racing official for the, the New York Racing Association. Uh, so for those of that who don't know, that's Belmont, Aqueduct, Saratoga, um, I work in the racing office, so essentially I deal with the owners and trainers and see where they want to run their horses. And we have this thing called the condition book where we essentially just map out the, the schedule of the races for you know, like a predetermined amount of time. And uh, so then they call the office, they enter with us and, uh, you know, we see where they want to run. And uh, if you know, they don't have a spot, we uh, help them find one where they, they can run. Awesome. Love that. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, Kevin's always like, in the office, like he's pulling out the, you know, like pulling out like the picks and like the order for what the horses go. So this is like really interesting. And I think it's going to give us, Kevin's going to give us a lot of insight. We want to talk about the Kentucky Derby this weekend. And I know everybody thinks of the Kentucky Derby as, you know, like that's, that's like the big race. Obviously that's the first leg of the triple crown on Saturday, but a lot of people forget too, on the, on the day before, on the Friday, they run the Kentucky Oaks, um and that's also a big race uh is it what's the difference there kev uh the kentucky oaks is uh exclusively for for three-year-old fillies while the uh the derby is the uh the boys version for the uh three-year-old uh colts and geldings um the kentucky oaks is also a mile and an eighth whereas the uh the derby is a mile and a quarter and uh the derby purse is a little bit uh, more in value at 3 million versus uh, the Oaks this year at 1.25, but uh, both Casual. are very prestigious races. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's exciting. So we're going to try to give you guys best bets or like at least what our best bets are at the time and how we're kind of handicapping the race like right now. Um, but a couple of things that I wanted to talk about before, because I know a lot of people don't really bet on horses. It's not It's not like the most common thing to do. You might have to download a new app. Like you might have to like, it's not the most uh it's not like what a lot of people think of as sports betting but it is a sport and the but the thing is like the pools are completely different so something that i wanted the listeners to know whether they you know because it's not the most common thing is like you know like when we see a sports betting line we'll say like oh this is a three this guy's like a three to one favorite or um you know this bet's paying out at like five to one or whatever with horse racing, it's, it's really different. There's some sports books like Circa in Vegas offers sports betting lines for these races, but generally the race, the lines can move. So it's called paramutual betting. And I think Kevin, you could probably explain it better than I can, honestly. Right. So it's exactly right. Uh, essentially what happens is the, the general public 
uh, sets the price essentially. So each horse is their odds change based on the amount of money that comes in on each combination. So at, with uh, with sports betting, the the uh, casino or whoever's taking the wager, you know, gets a vig. Versus in racing, they they have something called the takeout, which essentially is norm is usually like fifteen to twenty percent. So about every hundred dollars bet, they'll take fifteen dollars out of the pool, and then they'll pay eighty five dollars to the winner or to the people with the correct combinations. Yeah. Versus like a sport. So essentially you're betting against people at the track. So if I'm standing right next to somebody at the track, I'd actually prefer them not to win because that would help me in the long term versus I guess in theory with sports wagering, you are betting against somebody else because that kind of dictates what the lines are to an extent with the yeah. book. It's not as like this is directly correlated. The odds are based on how much money is bet on each combination. Yeah. So like with that in mind, you know, like we're going to be looking at the, the Derby. So I'll try to use that as an example, but um, you know, you have, there are certain horses, like the favorites are coming out at uh, like three to one. Like I think Zandon's three to one um, or like, at least that was the morning line. That was the opening line. So like, if you see these lines, there's no real reason to get in early then, unless like you think you're going to forget. Yeah. I mean, I exactly. And the, uh, the morning line essentially is just, one guy or gal's opinion on what the final price of this horse is going to be. Yeah. Uh, so it, it doesn't actually, the track isn't setting it. There's no, it doesn't mean if you get, you know, your bet right now, you're going to automatically get three to one on Zandon. Um, I mean, that's going to change. Like I said, it's just yeah. somebody's guess. And you can use that as your guide to make like value decision with, with what horses you want to play. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So like, um, and the, and honestly, the only thing they can do is it could wind up voiding a leg if you have like an exotic bet, because if a course gets scratched or, or something, you know? So, uh, I, I think one of the things that's interesting here, Kev, is there's a lot of different bets that you can make. Like what's your, obviously you can bet on a winner, but do you have like a favorite bet that you like to put in? Cause I know everybody kind of has like what they like to do when they go to the racetrack, but do you have a favorite? Right. In general, I like playing pick fives. Yeah. Uh, for, for multiple reasons uh, in general, they are the lowest takeout wager that a track offers and takeout being how much the, uh, the track, you know, the track commission off each bet. Normally the pick fives are the lowest about 12 to 15% where you're playing. Also, they usually have a 50 cent minimum and they also have five legs. So there is a, a degree of difficulty, difficulty, difficulty with five races but if you're able to link together a combination especially with the 50 cent wage or you know minimum it could be relatively affordable and it could be uh you know it could be a huge payday if uh, you you know you link up the right ones yeah it's kind of like an interesting strategy because i feel like you know you and me have like talked about this and like when we're at the racetrack i'm just like here's here's like $50. Cause I don't know what the heck I'm doing, uh, sometimes, but like, what, cause it's so, like, you know, I, I can handicap a race. I can put an exact in, but the way I know that the way that like you look at pools is like a lot differently than I do. And when you're putting in combinations, like I know like you'll put in the same wager, like you'll run a pick five one way at like a certain price. And then you'll do it with a different combination or like this, a certain combination of those horses and do it again. And is that like for a particular reason or is it, you know, is it really just tied directly to the, to the pools? Um, it's really just a way to, to weight my opinion. Um, and it, uh, it's not always a, a favorite combination, but a lot of times you do gravitate to the horses that are, 
are more likely to be played, therefore uh, not going to pay as much. So if you have that combination multiple times versus having the, you know, the longer shot combination just for 50 cents or a dollar, depending on, you know, what your bankroll is, it could be more lucrative to have the favorite you know, multiple times versus having a long shot for 50 cents. And I think it's just a way to have an opinion and uh, you can attack a sequence that way. And if you get right, you can have it for, for more than the 50 cent minimum. No, got it. Um, and then just for like some basics, because I know, like I said, I'm, I'm sure that there's going to be some people that listen to this that have never really bet on horses before. Um, when you when you put in bets, like just on a single race, for example, um, when you're looking at it, besides like a win, besides a win bet, uh, like what's an exact and like, what does it mean to like box something or, or wheel something? Like what, what is what does that really mean for people to, you know, kind of di- try to diversify what exactly they're doing? Sure. Uh, so win is obviously exactly as it sounds. You're, the, the horse you pick needs to needs to win the race, needs to run first. Yeah. Um, and then you can kind of get into more uh, exotic wagers, as they as they call them. Um, the first being the exacta. That's the uh, finish correctly uh, picking the top two horses in order. Um, yeah. As you had mentioned, there is a box feature where you could, in theory, do like a one-two exacta box. And you would win if it, the race comes in one, two or two, one. And to get even like, something more complicated, not to overcomplicate things, but you can you yeah. can add horses. You can have like a four horse exacta box. So just two of those horses need to run in the top two. Yeah. And then and it, it goes down to trifecta, which is top three, which is kind of the same thing as the exacta one, two, three, superfecta one, two, three, four. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, like, because you could wind up betting something and like losing money just because of the way the pools kind of pan out. Um, like if it's a super, if there's like super heavy favorites, like you could bet it like on, like if you put in multiple horses, like, and you had, you knew you were gonna have losing combinations, like you could theoretically lose money even though you hit it just because like, yeah, it's like you put $8 in on this bet, but like you only had like a dollar on that exact combination, right? Correct. And I'm actually kind of glad you brought that up because that is another reason why I weight combinations. So yeah. I try to make it where if I actually am cashing a ticket, I don't ever want to be able to lose money on it. So in that situation, I would weight the horses where I'd have maybe one combination as an exact box, but then I would play the exact same ticket with the one with two straight, just for example, just to like kind of weight my opinion. So if I'm right, I'm going to get paid versus a situation where you brought up where if the two favorites won one to run one, two, and I have a four horse exacta box, I'm more than likely going to lose money, even though I have a winning combination. Yeah. So, and, and I think that the thing that's interesting with the paramutual betting anyway, is like, you can get a horse that you're like, this horse I think is really, really good. And like when you're handicapping, when you're looking at the forms and we can talk about the forms in a minute, um, like you can get a horse that you think's great, but like if other people don't feel the same way or if they're influenced by the morning line, which I think can happen, you know, like sometimes you see a horse, it'll get hammered down from like 20 to one to, you know, like five to one, but like that still might be value. Right. That could also just be like a, a poor morning line. I mean, there's sometimes you can take advantage of situations like that. Um, Usually now with more data being widespread and uh, there being like sheet players or ragazin players and stuff like that, there's, you know, some of those guys really send it in on some of these horses that look bad on the morning line or, you know, a, a poor, 
a poor morning line, uh, you know, at 20 to one. And it really has more chance to win than that. But uh, yeah, yeah it's just them way of trying to exploit it. No, yeah, I think it's really, I think it's definitely like really interesting and definitely something that people, you, you like really need to keep in mind um, just because like, just because you put something in, like you want to keep an eye on like where it's going at the end or like right close to post because you, the way your liabilities might be when you put the bet in, like if you put the bet in at the beginning of the day, like let's say you're betting on the Derby at, you know, like as like as soon as it were, as soon as you wake up on Saturday morning, let's say you bet on the Derby and then whatever combination that you put in, you thought that you were going to be winning money. Like if the, if the combination came in properly, but then like what you said, if the odds start moving, you could be in a situation where now you're like, you might, you might win, but like actually lose money. Um, so it's definitely something to keep an eye on because you want to try to maximize your like expected value by the, by, by, you know, race start. That, and there's actually like more reasons to wait to put your wagers. And I realized, you know, maybe it's just easy to do it in the morning or before you, if you're, you're busy that afternoon or, you know, whatever reason, but you gain more information, whether it be weather wise, how the track's playing, if there's scratches, yeah. And all that stuff impacts the the price of these horses and what becomes value and not value. So if you better race 12 hours in advance, you just have way less information. It's kind of like if you're betting a, a basketball game and, and it's a yeah. slightly different, but if, you know, say the start, say LeBron James got hurt, you know, the, the line's clearly going to change, you know, drastically, but you were already bet and you can't really do anything about it. Yeah. You're kind of beat with that. Whereas at least with the horse, like you get the money back. Well, you could cancel your wager. That would be the, the the one thing. But yeah, it's it's more like a it's almost more like a player prop. Like if your horse doesn't run, then like you know they're just gonna avoid it. Like it is like the race is still gonna happen, but like that horse will get voided. Um, right. The so the question the next thing that I wanted to ask you is you know like everybody see like you walk into the racetrack. I know like we go to Monmouth Park a lot of times, or like we go to Saratoga, whatever, and they hand you the. Like you'll come in, like you'll pay whatever. And like, you see the guys like the booth, like right away, like right when you walk in, it's there, they got the racing forms. What, like, do you use that like exclusively or do you look at other information or like other data or, like what other tools do you use? Like when you handicap something? Uh, when I first did, yes, I was a, I was a, a DRF guy. That's kind of how my dad raised me. Um, yeah. You know, it's just he, he handed me the DRF, taught me how to read it. And you can, you know, make determinations, you know, based on that. And there's I mean, there is so much information in it. And, and in some ways, it's almost too much information. And you kind of need to be able to read through the noise, like what's important, what's really not important. Um, yeah. I mean, they're just giving you facts. You need to be able to interpret them after the fact and then make a you know determination on who you want to play based off that. But I do a lot of, uh, I do some replay work, but in general, I like to use the Theragraph. Um, it's just one number and it tells me how fast a horse ran that race based on a multitude of factors uh, being, you know, weight carried, ground loss, final time, uh, et cetera. And it's just, it's an easy way to like kind of watch a replay, sort of watch a replay for me. And also it's information not everybody has. So you can maybe find, uh, you know, horses that have a little bit more value uh, in that regard. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, especially with like with this type of betting, like the paramutual betting, you want to be a little contrarian. Like you want to be right, but you also want to be right and different, which is 
like odd for sports betting in a way. Cause like, you don't need to be different. Like if you and me have the same bet in like on a, like a, on a game, like we both bet on the, on like the Knicks to cover uh, like minus four, it doesn't hurt me if you also win. Uh, like kind of back to what you said before, but like if we were looking at this from like a horse racing perspective, if the pool was looking, if you were saying like, well, 80% of the money and uh, 80% of the bets are on the Knicks and 20% are on, you know, like the Sixers, you would want to bet, you might want to bet on the Sixers just based on the fact that like the pool there is smaller. Um, right. So Do you think they're a value combination, even though you think the Knicks are more likely to cover or whatever, you would just given the odds that you're getting, you'd want to take the Sixers. Yeah. It's like, it's more of like an upside type of situation. So um, with, with that, you know, besides the thoroughgraph, you know, you're looking at replay stuff, you're looking at the weather. So when you're, when you're getting ready to cap these games, like, or like these games, like these races, um, race is kind of a game, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Like how 13 games a day. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) I would say like, how, cause like, I know like there's a big, the big deal is like the post draw and you do that. Like you literally do the post draw and like saying like, all right, well, like this horse is going to be in the first spot or the second spot, whatever, or like the far side. Do you put stock into that? Like how important do you think that is? Like whether they're in, you know, where, whether the one or they're, you know, or like they're like the 14 horse or something like that, or if they're right in the middle. Uh, yes and no. Uh, it depends on a multitude of things. First and foremost, it kind of depends on what their running style is. Yeah. Um, if they're a speed horse, uh, I'd probably prefer to be slightly outside just because if you you break a step slow and you're the speed, all the horses kind of come down towards the rail. And if you yeah. break a step slow, they can, you know, there could be some battling in there and then you could lose even more position and just kind of get taken out of your, you know, your element early on. But yeah. if you're a closer anyways, that's kind of where you're going to be wound. You know, that's going to kind of be where you wind up regardless of how well you break. So something like that doesn't necessarily uh, bother me, but even sometimes you want to be like outside, say you're, you sometimes you'd rather like, you know, be the hunt hunter, not the hunted. Yeah. So my example is like, if there's two speed horses, say the six and the seven are speeds, I would almost always prefer to like the seven horse than the six horse. Cause Got the it. seven horse can sit out off the six versus the only thing the six can do is go to the lead. And if the six concedes the lead to the seven, then I, you know, it gives away, you know, the advantage that you might've had going. So you have more options usually when you're further outside as a, uh, yeah. as a speed. And I think that's why you don't see a lot of horses like wire to wire finish a lot of times, just because like there's different strategies, there's different horse running styles. Um, and there's different, you know, times when like the jockeys want to, you know, push them or, you know, like just the way they just their style of running. So I guess my question for you, cause we'll start looking at these races now. Um, when you're looking at the Oaks and the Derby, you know, like their length is like similar. Um, but like, is there a particular style of running that you think is more conducive for like this length of a race? I think in general, you want to be not right up on the lead. You probably want to be semi-tactical. Maybe you want to be in the second flight. Yeah. Um, particularly in the Derby, given the fact that there's 20 horses. So yeah. if you're sitting in last, you legit need to pass 19 horses in order to win the race. It's hard. So whether, even if you're on the best horse, there could be traffic trouble or you might not like the kickback or, you know, there's, like you said, there's hard and, it's hard, but you're also at the mercy of race and pace luck. 
versus so maybe it looks like there is going to be a lot of speed but for some reason two of the speed horses don't break or the jocks have tried to they decided to take back due to trainer instruction or this or that and the whole complexion of the race changes and yeah. the you know few choices are just going to sit out there and kind of waltz around the track so if you're like close enough like within range i usually prefer that but i mean if i like the closer and i think he's the best horse i'll still take him given the right given the right price yeah all right well that's fair so um when we're looking at the let's let's look at the oaks first since the oaks is on friday um when you're looking at the oaks like how are you like how are you break i guess number one like how are you breaking it down do you have horses that you just are saying like this horse just has absolutely no shot um and then you know do you circle other ones that you're like these are the horses that i could that i think could win um is it more like that or is it just like well like like it's hard like it's a 14 horse field like you got to try to narrow it down some way right so in general what i do when i first look at a race is i look at the pace scenario kind of what like i was talking before if i think yeah. it's gonna favor horses on or or near the lead uh, or if it's gonna favor a closer and I think in also just want to point out in, in this situation, there looks like there's going to be a, a bunch of rain coming in on Friday okay. impacting Saturday a little bit as well. But um, you probably want to look at some horses that have fared well over a, uh, a wet track as well. Uh, but in general, I, from your, your question, I look at like the contenders and then I kind of go down to the, the pretenders. And then after that, I try to make wagers based on, the correct odds that I'm, that I'm looking for based on how I think, how much of a chance I think each specific horse has. Yeah. Cause I think in like this race in particular, like the one horse secret oath was supposed to be one of the favorites, you know, in terms of betting wise. And like, it is uh, like for this running uh, of the Oaks, but being in the one spot here, bad weather, you're running in the 10th spot. Like I, I don't, I feel like that's not like the most favorable draw for this race. I don't necessarily love it. I don't think it's the worst Not thing. The worst, but... I just I, she she tried the Arkansas Derby last time against the boys, which you know was I thought was you know that's kind of D Wayne Lucas for you. He uh, yeah. sometimes he goes against the grain a little bit, and he already had the you know Oaks points to be able to run in this race. So I don't blame him for trying. He just tried the you know the waters were a little bit too deep for him. But uh, just on some of the other speed figures I look at, she just looks a little bit too slow on paper. I thought I was going to like her a little bit more than I than I currently do. But um, just on like some of these sheet numbers on the on the buyer scale, she does look like she fits. But yeah. uh, these sheet numbers aren't necessarily liking uh, these races at Oakland Park. Yeah. So I guess, were there any horses that you looked at and you were just like, because I know people always want to bet on like a long shot. Um, at least based on the opening lines, is there any horse that you look at and you're just like, there's just absolutely no chance. Like they're just lucky they're in this race. Um, I mean, I, I've seen crazier things. I mean, I, I watch many, many races every day. <laughs> Fair. Uh, there's some horses that win that I thought didn't make a ton of sense. And um, I mean, they all have the credentials to be in here because they, you know, they did earn the Derby point. I mean, excuse me, in this, in this race, the Oaks points. Yeah. Um, Keith the Sormo, he has one with long shots, but this 12 horse candy raid would be a uh, quite the surprise to me. Um, all the horses, good races on or on either the synthetic or really just the synthetic is the horses, dirt races are really just not even fast enough to be a factor here. But 
Yeah. If it's a wet track or something, maybe she moves up, but I think it'd be, she's got a, a tall order there. Yeah. I guess actually, you know what, that's another question for me with the rain and like, if it is a wet track, um, do you think, does that like, obviously like there's certain horses that have better experience with that. Um, but do you feel like that benefits the favorites or more, or is that more of a, like a horse by horse basis or does it benefit like underdogs? Um, I would say it's, it's a horse by horse basis. Um, so if you look at your past performances, you can see a horse's record on a wet track, um, if they fail to run on a wet track, at least if you have the daily racing form, they have a th- this uh, figure called a Tomlinson number. And essentially that is just a uh, way of gauging the horse's ability to run on a wet surface based on their pedigree, based on you know, thousands and thousands of uh, uh, trials. Um, so if you like are just looking at that and the horse has never run on it and there's a high, high wet number, it might be a horse that you want to you know, use in your, in your, in your wager, but you also can see who's run on it in the past and how well they've fared. And then if yeah. you go through the lines, you can kind of see what kind of race it was because not all races are created equal. If you won like a maiden claimer in the slop, do I necessarily think that bodes well for you winning the Kentucky Oaks? I mean, I guess it doesn't hurt, but I don't actually necessarily think that's, you know, that much of a feather in your cap. Got it. So for this race, uh, who are the, who are the horses that you were like, I'm circling these regardless of price. Like I'm circling them more because like, I think that they can, like, they're the favorites. Like they are the ones with the best chance to win. Right. Um, uh, I wish I came on here with a little bit more of a creative opinion in this race, <laughs> but I do think the race kind of does go through the, uh, the, uh, the three favorites in here, them being the number four nest, the seven echo Zulu and the, the 10 Kathleen O um, a long shot I did would, would consider is the number three hidden connection who ran just behind echo Zulu last time in the, uh, the fairgrounds Oaks. I mean, they both ran extremely well. Uh, I think the number, my number one pick is going to wind up being echo Zulu, but it's, I do want to based on price. And uh, I just want to see kind of maybe how the tracks playing Thursday or excuse me, Friday and see the price of some of these horses, but at least those are the four that I'm, keying on to start with and then i'm gonna you know go from there okay so that was so you said you said then you said nest uh echo zulu um kathleeno are like they're the three morning line favorites so it's not necessarily thinking outside the box but if yeah. you weight those opinions and you don't just do like a three horse box kind of like we were talking about earlier where yeah you could really hit and lose i would i would have some support it yeah all right yeah that's fair and i thought hitting connection was the the long shot you might want to throw in at a at a price uh like i said i like uh echo zulu quite a bit and it ran second to her uh she ran second to her last time uh she was close and and, but i do think echo zulu is gonna improve second off the uh the layoff and uh should get a pretty favorable trip towards the uh towards the front end that's pretty solid, man. So uh, for everybody else, like, you know, keep an eye on that, keep an eye on the track and Kevin's always active on Twitter. So I'm sure that there's, you know, maybe we'll get some talk out there too. Um, but with that, let's go take a look at the, you know, at the big race for Saturday, the first leg of the triple crown, the Kentucky Derby. So looking at the Kentucky Derby field, 
we've got like a pretty, a pretty packed race, honestly. Um, there's a couple favorites, you know, looking at the morning lines and stuff. Who, who are you thinking about right now? Uh, so kind of like the Oaks, I usually, you know, start with multiple categories. I, I go from like contenders to underneath horses or that I use for my exactas, tries and supers and then yeah. throwouts. And mainly the throwouts are like horses that are going to be taking money that I don't want to have on my ticket. So, you know, anybody can tell you to throw out the, the 50 to one shot. It doesn't really make that much sense in here. Although if you've seen <laughs> 50 to one or, you know, mind that bird one in 2009 at a big price but that doesn't uh doesn't always happen but in general i'm looking at three horses in the derby uh mo donegal the rail horse for todd pledger okay uh, 10 to 1 morning line he won the mood memorial with with us here in new york at uh, at aqueduct he seems like his running style fits the uh, the mile and a quarter he seems like he wants to run all day i don't really love the post position for him drawing the rail yeah. This used to be a way bigger deal before 2020 getting the rail in the Derby. Uh, they actually have a new starting gate or is now it it's three or four years old. What's that? Do they bump it down one or is it just that the gates know? No. So they have a 20 horse gate. Okay. So they're able to bring it further off the rail a little bit back when the Derby first started, they used to, well, it's actually in recent years when the Derby, they had a 14 horse gate and an auxiliary gate kind of tied like attached next to it. So yeah. there was a little bit of space in between the two gates. Yeah. So they had to have the one kind of a little bit inside the, the rail. So essentially, if you were on the one and you ran directly straight, you actually would hit the fence. But oh. now there's a, they have more flexibility given the new gate that they uh, they made in 2020. So to me, the rail is not as big of a deal. And kind of like I said earlier, this horse is going to be a closer. So I don't mind being in last and kind of having to work my way through the pack. I mean, it's pretty much what he did in the Wood Memorial. It was a shorter field. Yeah. But the, the price is going to be right. He's 10 to 1 morning line, and I wouldn't be that surprised if he goes a little bit higher than that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And plus he's got Irad on him. So I know Irad hasn't won the Derby before, but he's a great jockey. So it's not like he, he – like you know he's got a good rider. Yeah, I'll definitely take Irad over over almost anybody. So uh, if he gets beat, it's not going to be because Irad Ortiz was the was the one riding him. Yeah, that's for sure. Actually, you know, before we get into the other horses, I wanted to ask you because I, I feel like there's a lot of you know they always talk about jockeys. You know, it's like I just said, like Irad, like he's never won a Derby before. Do you put a lot of stock in who's riding the horse? The answer is it depends. And I know that's kind of been my answer to a lot of your questions, but um, especially like a place like Saratoga, the answer normally is no. So that's kind of, kind of that's going to kind of apply here as well. Okay. Because uh, I feel like if you just take, if it's a 10 horse field, usually it's the test bent, the 10 best riders in the room riding the race. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think the disparity between one and 10 is as dramatic enough for me to want to, change my horse yeah. versus if it's maybe the best rider in the room versus an up and coming bug rider or something of that nature, I could maybe sway my horse based on who's actually riding it. Yeah. But in general at the upper level tracks and the upper level races, the answer is really no. Um, I don't see that much difference between an Irad and a Johnny B or a Pratt or a Rosario or just to name a few, almost really anybody in this race is, is really more than capable. And that's obviously why they're, that's why they're in here because they uh, yeah. can ride horses of this caliber. 
Yeah, because I guess the only reason that I'm asking this too is like I know sometimes, especially in these big races, like some of the trainers or the owners, like they have multiple horses in the races. So like you don't really feel like the different, like, like you don't feel that it matters really necessarily like which horse is being ridden by like which jockey. Usually no. Um, kind of to your point though, a lot of trainers do have quote unquote like first call riders, which yeah. they just ride them on almost anything. Uh, just regardless of who the horse is, they'll just put them on their, you know, their better one in the fields. Yeah. Um, a lot of the, in the Derby, it did, does have to do with who, was riding the horse previously and kind of like the horse I mentioned, I do, I like a little bit Modonical. He was ridden by Joel Rosario last time who leaves him to ride the three horse uh, epicenter for Steve Asmussen. Um, you can, cause you can always read into uh, jockey angles and, and, and trainer yeah. angles with, with the riders, you know, maybe too much, but in, in general, I, you know, I would take most of these riders as, as at least good enough, depending on who like, yeah, because that's like because that was the question that I was going to ask you, like with that switch, because Epicenter is another like favorite or so to speak. Like you don't you don't read too much into the fact that like the jockey switching from, you know, from Donegal to Epicenter, maybe besides the fact that it's just like maybe better relationship with the owner or the trainer or whatever. Right. I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, obviously, Epicenter's credentials kind of do also speak for themselves. So yeah. Joel could also believe that this horse has a better chance and the speed figures kind of do indicate that as well. Um, but Rosario has been riding a lot for Steve Esmussen recently. And some of it could just be, like you said, kind of a, a generic relationship throughout the year. And, you know, we, there's thousands and thousands of races that get run every year. Um, this is, this is one race for us in the industry. I know that it, it gets looked on more so because it's, you know, the first level, you know, first level, like the triple crown and more eyes are on it. It's on NBC and, and all that, but, this is just one thing that happens throughout yeah. the year. All right. That's fair enough. So, but so who, who do you like after Mo Donegal? So uh, the, the aforementioned epicenter, I think I, I'm actually like a different horse, the best out of all three, I believe I was just going in, in numerical order. Yeah, We'll, we'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll rank them later. <laughs> but uh, I do the aforementioned epicenter. I, uh, I mean, his, his races really just do speak for themselves. Um, he's, he's shown the ability to, go wire to wire if need be. He's uh, he sat and finished last race. The pace wasn't overly fast, but um, it looked like it was a strategic move to try to sit behind a few horses just because normally you're not going to get that easy lead out on, you know, out on the lead in the Derby. You want to yeah. be able to be able to negotiate 19 other horses. And it kind of looked like that was like a, a learning lesson, uh, you know, in the afternoon to try to kind of teach him, you know, something different that he hadn't been doing pre uh, previously. And I like that about him. He's versatile. Uh, he seems to be working well at Churchill right now. And I mean, he's just in, in really good form. Love that. All right. So then uh, who do you like? Who do you like after Epicenter? Uh, I think I'm going to put the favorite Zandon on top. And I guess the, uh, just one quick interlude. It's going to be interesting what Mattress Mac does in this race. I don't know if you've oh. heard about that. Um, he had a oh, special. Man. He's so annoying. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he had a, he's got, I think you probably know, he had the, the special where he, he sold mattresses for, I think you're going to get yeah. 3000 for free if the favorite wins this race. So he's trying to hedge a little bit. So it depends on who he bets, Zandon or Epicenter, probably, who's going to wind up going off as the post-time favorite. 
Yeah. I guess the good news for us is he's really only going to play the win pool. So if we're playing exact as tries and, and, and other thing, you know, other exotics, his, you know, three or $4 million bet isn't really going to going to sway our, our price versus, you know, in the wind pool it will, but the exotics, it won't. Yeah. That's definitely something to keep an eye on. Cause I know like a lot of people just bet to win like a lot of times. So it's like you, if you bet, if you're on the, whatever the same bet is that he is like, your ticket's going to get fucking knocked to shit um, based like just because of how much money he's going to throw in. Um, right. Exactly. Think, Cause it's paramutual. Like we were talking before. So yeah. his bet is going to specifically impact the price that you're going to get. Yeah. So definitely keep an eye on that. Um, it's like, fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> hey, well, if you bet against him, it actually helps you. Yeah, you're right. Cause there's more money than you can win. Your price so, will go the other way. Yeah. That actually might be something to do. Just fade mattress max. So like whatever he bets, I'm probably just going to bet a different horse. Like if he was going to bet on the horse that I was looking at, I might just bet somebody else. <laughs> well, um, no, it, it, I think always price has to be your guide. So in general, he, he would probably make your price an underlaid price. So I, I would yeah. agree with doing that. Yeah. Uh, so do you like, do you think that, do you like Zandon as a, as the favorite? Like, do you like Zandon to win or do you like, do you just think that he's one of the contenders? Uh, both. I, I, I can't play him to win at a price that, you know, that matches Mac might, might impact, or if he's going to be super short, I think three to one on the morning line is a little bit shorter than I would. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a 20 horse field um, kind of what we were talking about a little bit earlier, given pace dynamics. I do think there are going to be a lot of horses that want to be forward in this race, which will help him. But at the end of the day, he's still going to have to pass 19 others to, you know, to, to win. And, you know, that's not the easiest thing to do, but he ran super in the bluegrass. It looks like he's been working extremely well. Uh, Chad Brown scratched one of the other, one of his other big chances in here. So I think, you know, he's kind of putting all his eggs in, in the one basket here. And I just, uh, you know, I like him. And if Chad likes him, you know, he, it's good enough reason for me as well. Yeah, right. <laughs> so who else, who else are you looking at here out of this, these 20 horses? We're halfway down. Well, I, I skipped a few. Um, fair, fair. Some of the, like the two is a bit of a long shot. The, the four is a little bit of a long shot. I don't, I don't care for either of them that, that much, uh, especially the two. Um, the four ran actually really well. Summers tomorrow ran extremely well in the, the UAE Derby um, at Maidan on the uh, Dubai World Cup card. I just, yeah, I just didn't think that, that much of that race. Um, there's another one coming out of there, Crown Pride, who, I know a lot of people are high on these Japan runners have been running extremely well in uh, some of these, some of these big stakes overseas. I just, th th this race just normally has not been a very good prep for the, for the Derby. So in general, I'm probably going to fade most of those, but another one that I think is going to take some money, at least going towards the, the inside is, uh, is Messier for Tim Yachtin. Um I don't really love him. If, if you liked him, I wouldn't, you know, it's hard to talk me off for me to talk you off him. His, his speed figures are, are pretty good. Um, but he's in general, just been in super short fields. He's been running against five, four and, and, and six horse fields. And uh, yeah. he's going to be running against 19 more in this race. I don't think it's going to have everything completely his own way, kind of like he has been. And um, like I said, I'm not going to be shocked if he wins the race. I just think he's going to be a, an underlaid price and not one that I really want to use. All right. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, so is, is there anyone else outside of those four that you're looking at or, 
or trying to narrow down the field with, or is, or is that kind of like where you're looking at in terms of your like four, so to speak? Well, the one, three and 10 are like the three that I'm going to kind of key in on kind of key in on and, and, and make some, some wagers around that based on, on price and all. I think uh, you do want to look at some tries and supers. Uh, the thing with yeah. the super, it is, it is a dollar minimum in the Derby. That's a thing they do. It's a uh, little bit. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's tough to come up with, uh, you know, a, a lot of combinations based on, on that price, just cause it, they, they start multiplying very quickly, but that's yeah. why the pay is extremely lucrative. If you can, uh, if you can tackle yeah. it. Yeah. But um, you do, you do have the 50 cent try if that's something you're looking at. Uh, that's so yeah, like that's underneath. Sorry. One. Yeah. I was saying, that's a fun one. Yeah, just like underneath horses that I would you know be looking at putting in there uh, would be Smile Happy. He ran behind Zandon in the uh, in the bluegrass. I think he kind of had every chance to beat him that day. So that's kind of why I prefer Zandon. But he but he did run extremely well in his own right, and he yeah. you know at twenty to one on the morning line, he's somebody that I would want to consider in the uh, in exotics. Uh, he's kind of got the right running style. He's going to be semi forward or you're not going to be all he's gonna be mid-flight i would say and he's not gonna have to pass all, all you know all 19 to win it or even at least be in yeah. the top three or four i just i would think he'd be one to possibly look at for for tries and supers uh another one i'd be looking at is barber road he's okay. number 14 he's uh I was he just he kind of, came in second at the arkansas derby and the southwest stakes and then he had like another third place in there so He's got, you know, he's got some chops. I feel. He ran third in the uh, third in the Rebel. Um, yeah. I always joke, horses like this are kind of maybe not in this race. I call them show parlay horses because they. Uh, <laughs> he's literally he, he, he's hit the board the last uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. He's only run eight times. He, the time he missed the board was a, a debut sprinting last uh, last August at a uh, Colonial. But he's just he just an, he's just an honest horse. He's probably not fast enough to win it. But at thirty yeah. to one, he's someone that I would want to, you know, put underneath in in exotics. I think he can kind of spice up the uh, spice up the price a little bit. No, that's fair. Uh, and what else? What else besides Barber Road? Because one of the horses I was looking at was uh, I was looking at um, White Abario. I know it's like ten to one in the morning, but he's one four or five, so and never coming worse than third, but I'm not sure if, you know, maybe you have some pushback on something like that, even for like an undercard kind of guy. Uh, I mean, honestly, not really. He, uh, I just think he's going to be a little bit of shorter price than I necessarily want. Fair. Uh, I did. He was one of the ones I, I had underneath. Uh, he just is, I mean, he's lost a smile happy. I know that was last, uh, last november so obviously what Barrio has improved a little bit i he's running eights on the on the ragazin sheets and which is kind of right there with, with epicenter and modonagal and zandon so he, yeah. he, he's just he just to me he's a slight cut below i mean gaffleone's been riding extremely lights out you know he's when he's won the two florida preps on the way in he i don't have necessarily any really really negative to say about him i just didn't really necessarily love him to win but he would be one that i would put in tries and supers Fair, fair. Uh, so who else are you, or is, do you have anybody else that you're looking at here or is that kind of like where you've narrowed it down to? There's a couple more I would consider. Um, Pioneer Medina being one of them. And he, uh, he actually got relatively lucky uh, Monday morning when uh, 
the Chad Brown horse, the early voting decided not to, not to enter the race. That's when Todd's horse moved into 20th on the, uh, the point standings. And that's the, the way you, you qualify with points and that's how you get in the Derby. And yeah. he, uh, then he, you know, he, he entered and, you know, he's able to run, but uh, I just think that some of his races have been, it's been extremely good. It's, you know, he's, he's in good form. He, I think the Louisiana preps are, I think they're better than they look on paper. I like Epicenter a lot, like I said earlier, and he's been running, you know, behind Zandon and Epicenter and, and, and Smile Happy. So if I kind of like those uh, three or four, it's tough to, to throw them throw completely out of it at, at a very big price. Yeah, no, that's fair. And I mean, like just looking at uh, looking at this field, I mean, the ass man trained Epicenter. So like Hall of Fame trainer, like do you put – do you treat, do you treat that as like something, you know, important here where, you know, it's like, Oh, like this guy trained this, this horse, like that's, that's super important. Um, based on like what we're looking at here. Cause you know, like Zandon's like a Chad Brown horse. Like what, what are we looking at? Uh, yes. I mean, I, I think some of it's overblown, like who can and can't win a derby. Um, but I, I'd like, I, I like that, you know, he's obviously had Stevie's credentials. They, they do speak for themselves. He's won plenty of Breeders' Cup races. He's won plenty of big races. So he knows how, you know, to get a horse ready for, for a big race. And I, uh, it doesn't necessarily bother me that he hasn't had that much success in the, uh, the Kentucky Derby. Um, sometimes it gets overblown. A lot of the times, you know, horses are 50 to one or hundred to one. And that's their reason. Like the other horse that didn't win was that big of a price. So they use that as a reason not to, you know, like this trainer's chances this time, but, you know, all, all, all situations are, you know, different. He, he hasn't had the the favorite or the second choice uh, many times. So it's, it's tough to use stats like that against him. No, that's fair. I think it's a good point. Um, so it, I guess just to kind of wrap this up, like looking at the Derby anyway, if you like, regardless of price, if you had to pick a winner, who do you think takes this? Uh, Zandon. Zandon. And then what do you, what do you he just, think? great form he's improving race after race i know he lost to modonagle in the remsen and he, he even lost to smile happy and epicenter in the at fairgrounds in the risen star he just he didn't break that well in the risen star and he's just he moved forward by leaps and bounds uh last time in the bluegrass and he just he just looks like the now horse to me yeah i think that that's super important and uh you know if you ha- and then if you if you were really rounding out like you're exotic like if it was uh a try, for example, like, are you looking at really like, would you run really those three horses just kind of maybe heavy, like Mo Donegal, Epicenter and Zandon, or would you just, or would you rather pick like one or two of them and then pick some other people underneath? A uh, little bit of both. I'm going to probably play the 10 over the one and three, and then you use some horses in, in third and fourth and kind of mix and match combinations that way. Um, like we were talking before, in theory, you could have a winning wager and, and lose money. Yeah. In this situation, since there's 20 horses, the exacto will pay enough if you just box one, three, ten, and if you know any of those come in one, two, one, two, you you'll definitely make at least a, a few bucks, even if it's the three and ten that those two that look like the two favorites. But but that's more or less, yeah. I'm probably put the ten on top of the one and three, and then go from there. All right. Yeah. No, I think that's awesome. So, well, I guess we'll be. You know, we'll be probably rooting for Zandon unless Mattress Max on him. Then uh, if you had to pick a second, would you say it's Epicenter? Yeah, but if Mo Donald gets super lost in the wagering and somehow he's like 20 or 25 to one, I'm, I'm probably going to put something on him to win. But um, 
that's like I said, you always got to make sure price and, and all that is it, it plays a factor in what you're looking at. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for all that, Kevin. And I, I think it's really been awesome. I think it's been really uh, informative for everybody. So I hope you guys all, you know, like check Kevin out on Twitter. But before he leaves, we've got a little pods and recs here. So I, I Kevin, I kind of warmed you up for it, but we always give the listeners something that we that we uh, that we want to recommend to them. Uh, do you have a recommendation for everybody today? Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. Majority of your listeners probably aren't horse racing fans, and, and hopefully this maybe has changed them a, at least a little bit. But um, <laughs> a little bit. There's this TV show Luck that used to be on HBO. Uh, it it did only last nine episodes, unfortunately, but uh, it it'll give you a good uh, idea of just some some backstretch life and uh, just from a gambling perspective as well. I think it does a a really good job of uh, kind of showcasing the sport a little bit. Uh, from like backstretch to front side. So uh, if you get a set, if you get a chance, watch the lock on HBO. All right. That's awesome. And my recommendation, you know, I gave you guys a recommendation yesterday uh, for Tupperware, but my recommendation for today is going to be um, I, I bought a, a fogless shower mirror and I got it because I think it's just like, you know, like your pores are open, like it's a little bit easier to shave in the shower. Um, so, you know, it, it's like better for your skin, like whatever. I got one of those. I think it should be a pretty good experience. Uh, and, and that's my recommendation for everybody, you know, keep the, keep that skincare up. Uh, but with that, you know, Kevin, thanks again for coming on your, he's on Twitter at down the stretch seven. Uh, I will be tagging him in the post. Like we'll be, we'll be blasting this episode out there. Uh, but you know, we'll try to get you back on for the rest of these triple crown races. Cause I think this has been really helpful and we can try to, if you guys have any questions, shoot them to us and we'll try to get Kevin to answer them, uh, in a little bit more specific manner so uh let's let's go zandon let's go epicenter let's go modonigal and let's cash that
dreams of 